Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being such an amazing God. And we thank you for the opportunity that you've allowed us to come here. Lord, we've been singing, we've read the scriptures. But now that we're about to open your word for today's message, I ask, Father God, first and foremost, that it is you speaking and not I. I also ask, Father God, that you be with my brothers and sisters here, that you prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word, especially with a message such as the one that we're facing today. Bless us and keep us right now, Father God. Pour out your spirit. It is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was about six years old. And by the way, find your way to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the scripture reading for today. We'll be there for a little bit. Um, I was about six years old when I had an epiphany, a eureka moment. Uh, You know, one of those situations where you have like life-changing idea. I was six years old, and um, my three cousins and I, we were in Puerto Rico. We were in the basement. Now, you Floridians may not know what that is. You, you picture the bottom floor, the first floor of your house. There's a whole other level that exists beneath that. It's a basement. And so that's what we had in Puerto Rico. We have them up north, too, in New Jersey. But I haven't seen many of them here in Florida. So just in case, uh, you know, we were in the basement. And uh, we were there playing. And we you know how as kids do with imagination and all those different games and all of that other stuff. And then suddenly, as we're running just around the corner, because there were two stairs, set of stairs to go into the basement, one from in the house, one from outside of the house. So the one that is that leads to the outside of the house, we saw our uncle there on the steps just um just passed out just 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 sort of just laying there and this is one of our uncles that i still to this day have no idea what his real name was we named him his nickname was after a spanish type room called pitorro and so that was his nickname pitorro and so he was uncle or tío pitorro and so um we're sitting there and the and the my cousins and i were trying to figure out is he alive what is going on? And, and so I was, I've always considered myself very brave and very bold. And I said, sure, absolutely, by all means, I'll be the one to go check it out. So my cousins are here and they're all just sort of there, um, j- just looking and, and I'm inching my way over and then they go, wait, wait, wait. And, and so I run back because, you know, I was really brave, but, but they say, wait. So I kind of freaked out and I did that again. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. And I came back and I said, look, just, just let me be. So I go over there. And just as I'm ready to poke him, I hear it. And then it hit me. Smell like death just coming out of that man. I have no idea what he had eaten. It was like rotten, hot garbage. And I had tears to my eyes. I wanted to throw up. I was gagging. And I was like, oh, oh. And so I ran out and I said, oh, that stinks. And one of my cousins says, really? Let me see. Oh, <laughs> oh you are right. That really stinks. And another one says, really? Let me see. And he goes over there. Oh, <laughs> yes, it really stinks. And what do you think the last one did? Really? Let me see. And that's when he hit me. That's when he hit me. You know, I, there's an old Spanish saying, and it clicked for me there, when it talks about it is wise to learn from your mistakes, but it is wise, sir, to learn from the mistakes of others. I mean, I get it. 
I, they heard it. First of all, they heard it. They saw the tears coming out of my eyes. They saw me almost gagging. I mentioned it. Don't go over there because it really stinks. And one of my cousins really let me see. I get it. Maybe one person will doubt. So he went and checked it out for himself. Then maybe the second one. But the third one, three other persons have gone before you. You see them nauseous, tears in their eyes. They say it really, really stinks. But he says, nah, uh -uh. I, I still don't believe them. I have to check it out all for myself. And you're saying, wow, that is so silly. How dumb of him to go and do that. But you see, many of us do that ourselves. The Bible is filled with wisdom, is filled with life, circumstances, and situations that we can learn so much from. But yet sometimes we want to go and smell it for ourselves. We want to go and place ourselves in that situation. Even though we see all of the signs that say, stay away from, do not do X, Y, and Z. Be careful from this and watch out for that because of this and that. And we see that throughout the Bible, but we still say, really? Let me see. And so today, I am praying that you as a church journey with me as we look briefly at the wisest yet dumbest man that has ever lived. This is King Solomon. I don't know how much you know about King Solomon. He, he is, is uh, one of the, the children of David. Uh, he's the one that succeeded him as king. Out of that lineage, the Messiah was born. King Solomon, when he was a young man, and he was put up to the task to be king. The Bible loves doing that. They put, love putting young people to be king. You know, you had 8 years old, 10 years old, 16 year olds. You, you had different age groups of individuals that were chosen to be leaders. When he was a young man, God spoke with him and said, what is it that you want? What can I give you? Ask and it will be yours. He says, God, I want wisdom. I want you to bless me with wisdom so that I can serve you. I want you to give me the ability to discern and understand the clarity. Just may be wise beyond measure so that I can serve you to the best of the ability that you have entrusted me with. So God says, okay, that's a pretty cool thing. You could ask for anything, but you're asking for wisdom to serve me? Absolutely, it is yours. And the Bible says that no one before him was as wise and no one after will be, as far as the Bible shares who Solomon was. And so Solomon, when he was young, he lived his life to please the Savior. He lived his life to please the Creator. He lived his life to please God. He lived his life in accordance to the will of the Creator. However, as he got a little bit older, he began to lose sight of the source of his happiness and joy. He forgot that when he was the happiest, was when he lived his life following the will of the Creator. So in turn, he began to look for happiness elsewhere. He began to seek his own pleasure rather than doing the will of God. Are you with me so far? Are you familiar with Solomon and what is happening? So when we go to the book of Ecclesiastes, you see now a much older Solomon who is reflecting back in his life and he's saying, Wow! I wasted all this time. All of this was vanity. Look at verse 
verse 10 and 11, the scripture reading for today. And look what it says there in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. Have you ever gone window shopping? And you see something in the, in, in, or see a commercial or whatever, and you said, that's what I want. Yes, sign me up. Imagine being able to see something and not deny it because whatever your eyes desire, you did not keep from you. That's what Solomon did. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure whatsoever, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Verse 11. Then I looked at the works of my hand and the works that my hands had done. I looked at everything that I had done throughout the years, all of my possessions, everything. That's the New Joe International Version, by the way. He's contemplating everything that he has done and all the labor in which I toil. And this is the conclusion that he arrived, the, the last two sentences in verse 11. And indeed, a little bit, some of it, what does it say? All was vanity. It was as silly as trying to grab the wind. I got you. You're right here. As the grasping of the wind, it brought him no profit under the sun. You see, what had happened with Solomon is that he lost sight of the source of his happiness. He began to look for everything. And now as he reflects on this, he sees that it was as silly as a grasping of the wind. It brought him absolutely no profit under the sun. And so I ask you this question, have you wondered where is happiness? You have to understand something. I don't know if you ever created anything, made anything, built anything, even painted something. I was talking to uh, Burl yesterday, I think it was, Dolores. Yes, you, you paint, right? Yes, it is you. Okay, good. See, I remember one name. That's awesome. Um, I remember the Loris too. Um, and so I was talking to her yesterday. She was mentioning how she's painting or whatever. When I was younger, I, I used to draw. And, and my parents would try to be kind as they try to figure out what it was. And I said, wow, this looks amazing. So tell me. Well, describe it to me. So that way, you know, they could kind of recognize what, what, what that was. But you see, I as the creator of that painting, of that drawing, of that whatever, I can tell you exactly what it is what it is meant to be, what it is supposed to be like. My creator designed you. He knows exactly how you're meant to function, and he knows exactly what will make you happy. But many of us could waste a lifetime seeking happiness elsewhere. And perhaps many of us, I know many of my friends that I grew up with, never had the opportunity to come back to God and reflect on their life and realize and have that aha moment that, hey, when I was happiest, was with him. So why risk going out there venture enough and risking not having the chance to come back and reconcile with your creator? Not just in case that you're saying, yeah, Joey, I get it. I know cousin number one, cousin number two. I know you also, you, you smelled it. You, you know that it was horrible. But I, really? Let me see. Well, maybe you are thinking that, yes, Joey, you know, if I had possessions, if I only had that brand new house, you know, I looked at a lot of houses here in, in Tallahassee, and there were some houses that were nice. You know, you guys, uh, you, you love jumping from like 1,100 square foot homes to like 3,000 square foot homes, and, and you know, there's like no in between. So, so we saw some real tiny ones and then some big ones. So maybe you're saying, wow, yes, if I had that house, Maybe if I had that car, maybe if I had the whatever. 
Well, look at Solomon. He had, first of all, his house took him 13 years to be built. Almost twice as long as the temple of God. It was 150 feet long. It was made, by the way, from the finest trees of the forest Lebanon, okay, uh, which is half of the size of a football field. It was 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. He had pillars and, and a porch that went all around, 75 feet long, 45 feet tall with pillars, just huge trunks from, from, the, um, from, from the trees of Lebanon, uh, from the forest of Lebanon. He had goldware, not silverware, not one plate, cup, spoon, fork, knife, not one was made out of silver. Everything was made out of pure, solid gold. Goldware. He had a throne that, that was made um, uh, out of ivory and gold. Each side of his throne, he had two full-size lions out of pure, solid gold. Leading up to the throne, he had six steps. And on the side of each step, he also had those full-size lions of solid gold. So 12 lions in all leading up to where he was at. He had pools that were 200 feet long, 50 feet deep, several of them. Gardens in which he dug other uh, like watering holes type things to, to, so that they can grow and sprout and have access to water where he was able to feed armies if he wanted to. And yet, all of these possessions did not bring him any, any happiness. He still looks back and he says it was as silly as a grasping of the wind. It brought him absolutely no profit under the sun. And you're saying, yeah, I don't care about possessions. All I care is about authority. <clears throat> you know, I want my minions to, 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 to obey me and listen to me and follow me. I, I just want to be placed over many things. Well, he had authority too. Queen of Sheba, when she went to visit him, she was so surprised at the amount of servants that he had. Because he had a plethora of servants. I don't know what a plethora is, but apparently it's a lot. He had a plethora of servants. And then when their servants kept having children, they also remained there to serve him. And they kept on having children and children. You know, there was no cable or television back then. So they kept on having children. And his servanthood kept on growing. He had a whole bunch. He had herds, cattle, sheep, goats. He had all of that. And he had authority over it all, both people and animals and property and land and all of that. And yet all this authority did not bring him any happiness. It was as silly as a grasping of the wind. It brought him no profit under the sun. And perhaps you're saying, yeah, I could care less about possessions and authority. My thing is popularity. I'll even do a commercial for free. I don't need to get paid. I just want people to see me. I love telling people about who I know because maybe that will make me popular. Oh, the president? Yeah, my mother's sister's dog is friend with his puppy. Yes. You know, some of us do that. We like to throw names just, just to show how, how we too are connected to the popular people. Maybe it's popularity. Well, Solomon was so popular because of his wisdom that even his enemies will come and sit at his feet to listen to him. It's like, Solomon, I hate you and I want you to die. But you're so wise, please tell me more. 
You know, I, I mean, I really want you dead, but I would just come far, far away to sit at your feet and listen to the wisdom that you have. That's how popular he was, that even his enemies loved him. Even the people that wanted him dead could not get enough of listening to him and the wisdom that he shared. And yet, all of that popularity was as silly as a grasping of the wind. It brought him no profit under the sun. And perhaps you're saying, you know, I, I, I could care less about possessions and authority and popularity. My thing is money. I know my mom will always say, Joey, you know, somebody would just give me a million bucks. I know that I will be happy. Well, how does this sound? 207 billion, 394 million, 560,000. How does that sound? That was the yearly salary that Solomon received every year for 40 years in gold. I just did the math to make it into our currency today. 207 billion, 394 million, 560,000. I don't think you realize how much money that is to get that every year for 40 years. Let me put it to you in perspective. Let's say I give you a billion dollars on a pastor's salary. That is a total reality. One billion dollars. If you were to spend $10,000 a day from birth, it would take you approximately 273 years to use up one billion dollars. Minus plus a leap year. Imagine that times 207. Times 40 years. Are you with me? And then it didn't end there either. Queen of Shiva, when she came to visit him, she brought in spices and all of that and 120 ta uh, talents of gold, which is, in our currency, about 691,200,000. I mean, we've had some unpleasant house guests, haven't we? But Queen of Sheba, I mean, come on. You come and hang out and you're going to give me 691,200,000 just because people that came to see him from afar, even those enemies, came bearing gifts. And yet all of that wealth was as silly as a grasping of the wind. It was all vanity and it brought him no profit under the sun. And I know what you're saying. Yeah. I could care less about possessions. I could care less about authority. I could care less about popularity. I could care less about wealth. Money is not a thing for me. But I know where I could find happiness. Woman. Yes. That is certainly the key to happiness, yeah? King Solomon. Those of you that are married, be careful. King Solomon. Some of you, you scoff at my statement. Don't, don't do that. Not with the lady next to you. But Solomon had over 700 wives and over 300 concubines. To put it into perspective, and we'll keep it rated G because there's young people here that you know, like young people. Uh, uh, he could date one of them a different day each day. And it would take him three and a half years before he has a repeat. And yet... All of this woman did not bring him any happiness whatsoever. 
It was all vanity. As silly as a grasping of the wind. It brought him no profit under the sun. This is why in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 9. He says to the young people. Hey listen young people. You know, you could do whatever you want. If you want to do what I did, what, whatever you see, whatever your eyes desire, whatever your heart, you know, the pleasures of your heart, you want to follow that, great. But know that someday there will be a judgment and you will be accountable for those things. And he begins on verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, I'm telling you, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And he says that to them because he says, look, I've been there and I've done that. And the only time that you would truly be happy is if you live your life in accordance to the will of your creator. And so it is my prayer as we finish today's message. It is my prayer for you here in the church that you consider the words of wisdom of King Solomon. Some of you are still searching for your happiness somewhere out there. Be it possessions, authority, power of some form, wealth, or even woman, or even men. For you ladies, yeah, come on, if you can't say amen, say ouch. You know, and, and so some of you are already doing that, but understand that it is a trip that is going to be wasted, and you might get lost along the way. The true source of happiness is living your life in accordance to the will of your Creator. He designed you, he created you, and he certainly knows how it is that you will be the happiest. This is something that Solomon experienced. This is something that Solomon lived. And so now we're going to, I'm going to, I want to pray, but before I pray, we're going to transition because you have an opportunity to reconcile yourself to Christ for the, you know, for, for the second time, the third time, the fourth time. You have an opportunity to perhaps give your life to him for the very first time. We're going to do this thing called communion. It's an ordinance that we try to practice here every couple of months or so, every two or three months. We try to do that in, in our churches because it is like a do-over. It is like a fresh start. You, you get the opportunity to consume the bread which symbolizes the body of Christ, letting Christ into your life. You get an opportunity to consume the, the grape juice, which is symbolizes his blood, all cleansing blood. And so for you, I don't know where you are in your walk. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you're out there grasping the wind and, and just trying to chase it and embrace it all, seeking happiness, but only in Christ. Can true joy be experienced? Only in Christ, even when everything is burning up around you, can you smile? Even when you're having issues in your marriage, in your home, in your work, in your school, in your community, even when you are sitting inside a furnace burning up, you can still smile. Even if you are Stephen being stoned, you can still smile and say, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. We see this in the Bible that even in the midst of chaos, you can still have joy. And that is the joy that my God live, gives. And we have the opportunity to partake of that. And so in a little bit, we're going to go to different rooms. We're going to, um, and I wrote it down because I don't even know what half of these rooms are. Okay, in the kindergarten room, we get to go, the families. This is a great opportunity if you have children to teach them 
Teach them what this is about, what, what the ordinance of service and humility is. Have them maybe even practice, you know, and, and maybe you can wash their feet and pray with them. Go ahead and teach them what this is about. Because this is something very, very crucial. And then later when we come back over here, you know, at your discretion, parents, if your child understands what's happening, I mean, besides just giving them a snack in church, you know, if they really understand what it means, then, then go ahead and have them practice. And I'm certain the deacons will gladly serve them at your discretion. So we have an opportunity to partake of this. And for all of you here, I know that it is important to prepare our hearts to partake of communion. You pray and you confess to God. And some of you may be saying, well, I had no idea that this was happening this week. As soon as we start exiting, I'm going to make a beeline for the door and I'll see you guys next Sabbath. I get that, but don't do that. Come and join us because there is no time like the present to cry out to God and to just open up your heart to him and say, Lord, this is the day that I stop running around and chasing the wind. I am right here and I would love to have a do-over with you. I would love to partake of that grace that you so kindly offer. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Families, you're going to be in the kindergarten room for the ladies. All the ladies, you're going to be in the primary room. And the men, we're going to be in the juniors. And then after you do the, the foot washing, the, the ordinance of humility, come and join us here so that we can do the best part of today's service, which is a communion service. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being such an amazing God. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for the fact, Father God, that we get to see Solomon and we get to see his experience as well as other biblical individuals. However, Father God, we ask for the strength so that we don't become as silly as Solomon and start chasing things which is as silly as trying to grab the wind. Lord, vanity is something that really, really... All sin can be wrapped around this whole vanity thing. I lie because I don't want to get in trouble. I kill because I steal because I don't want to pay for it. I commit adultery just because I'm not happy with just one individual. Everything could come down to the I, 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 I. And yet the one thing that we don't seem to be selfish about is about our relationship with you. We let everything and anything distract us from our relationship with you. When it is the one eye that we should be concerned with. So Father God, as we go to the next portion of today, as we partake in the ordinance of humility and as we partake of the communion bread and the communion wine, Father God, I ask that you cleanse our sins. I ask as we partake of the ordinance of humilities and as we pray to ourselves, that you bring to mind any of those sins that perhaps we're not aware of, that we can take him before your throne of grace and mercy. May you bless us and keep us, Father God. And may you help us remember always and help us return to the true source of happiness, which is living our lives in accordance to your will. Bless us and keep us now. It is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.